Hi friends, this is Reverend Lee Benish from Hill United Presbyterian Church in Butler, Pennsylvania. It is a joy to be with you today and to share this message with you. This is a message for Sunday, March 29th, 2020. Will you please join me in prayer? Speak to us, living God, as you have spoken to our ancestors, through the voices of your prophets, the breath of your spirit, and the life of your Son, so that we may live according to your word. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Our first reading is Psalm 130. This is considered one of the songs of ascent, a song that was sung by the ancient religious pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. Here, they cry out for divine retribution. Listen now for God's word to us. I cry out to you from the depths, Lord. My Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears pay close attention to my request for mercy. If you kept track of sins, Lord, my Lord, who could stand a chance? But forgiveness is with you. That's why you are honored. I hope, Lord. My whole being hopes and I wait for God's promise. My whole being waits for my Lord more than the night watch waits for the morning. Yes, more than the night watch waits for the morning. Israel, wait for the Lord. Because faithful love is with the Lord. Because great redemption is with our God. He is the one who will redeem Israel from all its sin. And our second reading comes from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. This is the story of the valley of dry bones. Listen now for God's word to us. The Lord's power overcame me. And while I was in the Lord's spirit, he led me out and set me down in the middle of a certain valley. It was full of bones. He led me through them all around, and I saw that there were a great many of them on the valley floor, and they were very dry. He asked me, human one, can these bones live again? I said, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the Lord's word. The Lord God proclaims to these bones, I am about to put breath in you, and you will live again. I will put sinews on you, place flesh on you, and cover you with skin. When I put breath in you and you come to life, you will know that I am the Lord. I prophesied just as I was commanded. There was a great noise, and I was prophesying. Then a great quaking, and the bones came together bone by bone. When I looked, suddenly there were sinews on them. The flesh appeared, and then they were covered over with skin, but there was still no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, human one. Say to the breath, the Lord God proclaims, come from the four winds, breath, breathe into these dead bodies, and let them live. I prophesied just as he commanded me. 
When the breath entered them, they came to life and stood on their feet, an extraordinarily large company. He said to me, human one, these bones are the entire house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely finished. So now prophesy and say to them, the Lord God proclaims, I'm opening your graves. I will give you up from your graves, my people, and I will bring you to Israel's fertile land. You will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, my people. I will put my breath in you and you will live. I will plant you on your fertile land and you will know that I am the Lord. I've spoken and I will do it. This is what the Lord says. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Many of you know that a few weeks ago, my son Gabriel was very sick with croup. He had two different trips to the Butler Hospital Emergency Department, and one of those led to an ambulance ride down to UPMC Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh, where he was admitted for observation. It was a very scary time for us. He's almost five years old, but this was the first time he had croup. You know, many of you have had children or grandchildren who have had it over the years, and you know just how awful it is. Seeing my baby gasping for breath was horrifying, and there is nothing I could do to make it better. Both times when he visited the emergency room, he was quickly given an epinephrine breathing treatment. And it was amazing how in the course of just a few minutes, his breathing regulated. He went from this kid who looked drastically sick to one that looked almost normal. Both times, it was as if his health was revived. When I read this story from Ezekiel, I think back to those evenings in the emergency room about that revival, that complete transformation that came from air blown into my son's face. But it wasn't just regular air that revived him. It needed that epinephrine in it to be effective. In the same way, it wasn't just regular breath, wind, that was breathed into these remembered bodies in Ezekiel's story. It was the breath of God the spirit that brought them to life. This story takes place in the time of exile when the Israelite people felt completely abandoned by God. I know that many in our world today are feeling similarly. Where is God, they asked. They felt totally helpless and hopeless. But through Ezekiel, God spoke. He entered into that valley of dry bones, the long-forgotten remnants of a battle with a dire outcome. There was no life left in that place, but God was there, and God acted. Following orders, Ezekiel prophesied, bringing a message of hope to these bones. And as he spoke, they rattled and shook, and they came together bone by bone. Flesh appeared. They were covered with skin. 
yet gathered together in one body, they remained lifeless. And then God breathed. From the four corners of the earth, God's spirit rushed into that valley and brought those dry bones, those dead beings to life. Ezekiel had done everything that God told him to do to bring those bones together, but without God's spirit in them, they remained nothing more than component parts with no purpose. These days, I think many of us are feeling like those bones, dried up, strewn about, isolated, forgotten. In just the course of a few weeks, our lives have so drastically changed. And as we, especially now those of us in Butler County, are staying home and away from everyone else, life seems to take on a totally different meaning. When we have loved ones who are critically ill and can't be with them, the little things no longer matter. When we are not allowed to hug our friends or shake hands with our neighbor, it is so easy to feel disconnected and alone. Thankfully, we have technology, which is able to keep us connected. We can hear and see one another, and we are like those disparate bones coming together into one body. It's amazing what I've seen happen on Facebook Live, Zoom, and other platforms in the past few weeks. On Friday, my son and I video chatted with some chickens. I've seen virtual yoga classes and children's book authors doing drawing classes. People have connected over social media like never before. Yet this technology is not always used in good ways. With the increase in the stress of being apart, mean comments have become even more prevalent. Trolls and hackers are breaking into Zoom meetings and disrupting classes and gatherings. A young man I know goes live on Facebook in the evenings so everyone can watch him get sloppy drunk. We are these disparate beings connected and brought together by phones, tablets, and computers, and yet not all of it is life-giving. In these times when we rely on connecting in new and different ways, we must be mindful of not just how we are connecting, but why. These connections are not complete without God's presence, God's spirit flowing through them. So many of my virtual gatherings lately have consisted of prayer, discernment, compassion, and comfort. God is in all of that. In the messages of love and support we send one another, in the ways we check in and share our joys and concerns, in our smiles when we see each other's faces, if even on a screen, God is there. I had a conversation the other day with some pastors in our presbytery, and we talked about what the word church means. Too often, people equate the word church with a building or a service. Church is a place to go, or it's a thing we do on Sunday mornings. But in this season especially, we are reminded that the church is not a building or an event. The church is us. We 
are the church. We are the means by which others know God's love and peace. We are the means by which care is provided and generosity is extended. We are the representatives of God here on earth. This is the church. I'm reminded of that old hymn, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds, a song often used as an expression of Christian fellowship and love. The first verse says, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. In this time, especially when we are apart, the tie that binds us together is God's spirit of love, gentleness, kindness, mercy. Ezekiel reminds us that this spirit is essential to a thriving life And now, maybe more than ever before in our own lives, that spirit is necessary to remain connected. But I'm also drawn to verse 4 of this hymn, which says, When we are called to part, it gives us inward pain, but we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. It is so painful, isn't it, to be apart? For those whose loved ones are ill and they can't be by their side. For the grandparents separated from their grandchildren. For students away from their teachers and friends. For us as we try to worship across screens and on phones. It is so painful. And yet, we are joined in heart. May this, even in these challenging times, bring you hope. Friends, we will one day be together again, and what a glorious day that will be. In the meantime, let's remain united in the spirit, in love, in heart. Amen.